The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello everyone and welcome to week one's edition of Falato's Fantasy Corner brought to you on Big Blue View Radio, your favorite SB Nation platform. I am your host, Nick Pilato, and we're ready and we're rolling. I am recording this just before the Thursday night football game with the Chiefs and the Texans, so I won't be diving into the nitty-gritty details of Mahomes and Watson and Will Fuller and whoever else went off in that game. Rather, I'm going to give a quick little outlook on your tough week one decisions in fantasy football and some sleepers that maybe you guys should be considering in deeper leagues. So let's get into this. Everyone's league is different, right? So I'll attempt to be as comprehensive yet concise in my analysis that will be somewhat nebulous due to the nature of 2020's first week of football. We've had no preseason to go off of at all, which makes this a little bit difficult, but I'm relying on beat reports, my previous knowledge of the coordinator's tendencies, things like that, and how I feel certain teams may look to have success in this really, really strange week one, which is going to be pretty sloppy. But honestly, like I said, It's going to be sloppy. A lot of these players haven't gone full speed in a year, and it's going to show. And I don't know if anyone watched some college football this past week, but the sloppiness with the tackling and the execution, especially with timing throws, it was apparent out there. BYU, Navy. I expect the same in a similar sense from the professionals. But I want to start by talking about fringe roster players who should do well in their week one matchups. Firstly, starter studs, all right? Even if the matchup isn't great, if you drafted Kenyon Drake in the early second round, don't sit him because he's going up against the 49ers defense. Don't sit players that should dominate in touches, aka opportunity, because their matchup ostensibly seems difficult, all right? With that out of the way, let's dive into some fringe roster guys you should feel comfortable starting in week one if you're in a bind, because sometimes you take high upside guys, right? You take guys that you think are going to pan out throughout the entirety of the season, and then you also take guys who you're not 100% sure on, or maybe your draft was a little earlier and you took a player that is suffering an injury right now. So maybe some of the guys on this list of sleepers, you guys can end up starting. So we'll start with the quarterback position. If you stream quarterbacks, something that I endorse, I love to stream quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues, and say you're in the 14-team league, there's not as many quarterbacks around, and the quarterbacks on the free agent wire seem somewhat gross, here are some quarterbacks that you can feel comfortable starting in week one. So I have a super flex league with Lamar Jackson in it and Joe Burrow, and I dropped my last running back on the roster to pick up Jimmy Garoppolo to start him as my second quarterback for week one. Typically... Garoppolo isn't a great fantasy quarterback. His team wants to run the football down the throats of their opponents, but two of 
his best fantasy games came against the Cardinals last season. In 2019, Garoppolo averaged 370 yards passing and four touchdowns for just under 30 fantasy points per game in four-point-per-touchdown formats. Now, Debo Samuel and rookie Brandon Ayuk are trending to play come Sunday, and that can only assist Garoppolo. While I also feel like the Cardinals may be able to move the football against the 49ers, which should lead to more throwing opportunities for Jimmy Hansen, I, I honestly think that this could benefit the passing game. Now, the rushing attack of the 49ers is the main thing. Last year, in these two specific matchups, Kyle Shanahan put the team on Jimmy's back, and Jimmy prevailed. And another nice nugget of information is that the Cardinals, last year, they allowed the most yak yards after the catch. So I expect Shanahan to attempt to get his playmakers the ball in space and allow Garoppolo to cook a little bit. So I know... Cardinals, they added Isaiah Simmons, the kid from Clemson, and he should help that defense, but I wouldn't count on that safety linebacker hybrid to really stop George Kittle and this 49ers passing attack. The guy has no preseason. This is his first live reps in the NFL, and I think George Kittle can overcome that. Now, again, if you have somebody, Big Ben, player along those lines, start them, but this is only if you really need some sleepers. Another quarterback that I really like but is more owned than Jimmy Garoppolo was Gardner Minshew against the Indianapolis Colts. And I like the upside of Minshew more than Garoppolo, mainly because of the game script in this particular game. It should lead to more passing attempts for Minshew since the Jaguars are going to be bad. They're going to be chasing points. The issue with Garoppolo is the potential of a blowout where he won't have to throw the football. But I feel the Cardinals will be able to keep pace, as I alluded to before. But as for Minshew, the Colts' secondary isn't all that great at the moment. They're at least not proven. I think their pass rush is going to be solid. I mean, they added DeForest Buckner. I think that's going to really help a lot about the Indianapolis Colts. But in this specific game, where the Jaguars are going to be, or the Jaguars, as I'm always corrected on, are going to be chasing points. It's going to lead to more passing attempts, which is more opportunity, which usually means more fantasy points, but it could also lead to more rushing attempts as well for Minshew. And I think Minshew's a lot like his predecessor, Blake Bortles. He could be in line for a lot of garbage time points, which unfortunately, and I disagree with this, but I understand it's just the nature of fantasy football, garbage points are worth the same as regular fantasy points. So I think Gardner Minshew can collect a lot of garbage points in this matchup, and I also like the fact that he's paired with Jay Gruden. Now, Jay Gruden was the head coach of the Washington football team last year. Now he's the offensive coordinator with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he did wonders with Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton in the past. He tends to get the most out of young quarterback prospects, and I honestly think Gardner Minshew will benefit from his presence in this offense that is a little bit more simplified, and I think Minshew will be in for the opportunity because they're going to be chasing points. So I kind of like that too. As for running backs, I think Tariq Cohen, who's at Detroit, is a solid option. One of those guys that you have more than likely on your bench. You didn't draft him to be a starter, but I think you could start him this week. If you have Cohen, on your team in a half-point PPR league, you probably got him in those double-digit rounds, maybe slightly before the double-digit rounds. And we all know David Montgomery is dealing with a groin injury, and he was incredibly inefficient last year as the Bears' starting running back. He might not be available. There are some reports saying that he's trending in the right direction, but I would take that with a little bit of pause. But even if he is, he's injured. He's healing from a groin injury. They're not going to give him a full workload. So this leaves Cordero Patterson and Tariq Cohen as the only running backs in that backfield. And Cordero Patterson, for those of you who do not know, is a wide receiver who has been who has played a running back role on the New England Patriots. The Lions last year gave up eight receiving touchdowns to the running back position. Tariq Cohen 
averaged about five receptions a game. He's used specifically in that role as the pass-catching running back for Mitch Trubisky. And I expect that number five to increase in the absence of Montgomery, and even if Montgomery is there. Mitch Trubisky tends to do well against the Detroit Lions. And I think Tariq Cohen is going to be a pivotal part of that game plan. And I'm very comfortable starting him in my flex in a three-wide receiver league that is PPR. I think he could be in for that heavier workload. I'm not sure if he'll be used at the goal line. There have been whispers from beat reporters that he's been utilized there in training camp. I can't speak to it, but if he is, and if Montgomery doesn't play, which it doesn't look like he might, then they may use someone like Tariq on the goal line and get those goal line carries. That would benefit your fantasy team if he is plugged into your lineup. So I like Tariq Cohen. I also like Chris Thompson of the Jacksonville Jaguars running back going up against the Colts. It's similar to the Minshew pick. There's going to be a lot of passing, and Chris Thompson is going to be the pass-catching back. And this is great for half-point, full PPR formats. They released Leonard Fournette. It's going to open up a lot of opportunities for Divina Zigbo and James Robinson, who are going to be handling the early down work. But let's not forget, Leonard Fournette, as inefficient as he was, he received just under 100 targets last year from Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles. And I think Chris Thompson, who's basically best friends with Jay Gruden is going to be used almost extensively in this third down, we're behind, who's going to be our pass-catching back role. And I think that's going to be most of the second half of the game. So I think Thompson, who can be found on a lot of waiver wires, may be in for a heavier workload as this game progresses. And in these PPR formats, it could really benefit you. I'd start Cohen over Thompson. But if you're stuck in a pinch, I don't think Thompson is that bad of an option whatsoever. So I think he's definitely somebody to consider if you're in a pinch. I know some guys who draft these, their fantasy teams, they'll kind of skip over, and females, who draft their fantasy teams, they may go running back early. Say they come away with someone like Jonathan Taylor, someone they're not really fully on board with, and they have someone like Josh Jacobs or something like that, and then you have Chris Thompson on your bench, and you're not confident in what your flex is in a three a wide receiver PPR league, don't be hesitant to start someone like Tariq Cohen or Chris Thompson. I have another running back for you too. Boston Scott going up against the Washington football team. Okay, Miles Sanders, the star running back, he should be good to go for this matchup, but he's been dealing with a lower body injury all of training camp. And the depth behind Sanders, it's not deep at all. It's really shallow, to be honest. But Scott, last year, was heavily utilized by Doug Peterson and this offense. Through week 14 into the wild card game, Scott had 26 catches and 44 carries in that time span. was used as a goal line back, but I think he'll mainly be a situational back with a really healthy Miles Sanders. But even during that time frame, Miles Sanders was playing a lot of games. Scott is a smaller running back. He's like five foot six. He's just a ball of muscle out there. And he's effective in short yarded situations from what he showed last season. He actually helped people win their fantasy leagues last year. And I think he's in a good spot right now because Jalen Rager's hurt. Alshon Jeffrey's out. There's a lot of opportunity to be had for this Eagles offense that are going to be able to move the football against Washington. And you also got to think about the Washington pass rush. They're very aggressive. They're very talented. They're very skilled. I don't think the Eagles want Carson Wentz taking a bunch of unnecessary hits. So I look at someone like Boston Scott, I think there's going to be a lot of design screens, a lot of little checkdowns, a lot of little flare routes, little slip screens, things like that. And in PPR leagues, he can rack up some points, and he can also do a good job in space 
getting Yak. So I like the call of Boston Scott as well as a flex option too. Before we get into the wide receivers, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, now we have some wide receivers here for you. First, just to stick with the same game, let's go with Deshaun Jackson against the Washington football team at the Washington football team. Like I mentioned when I talked about Boston Scott, Jalen Rager, Alshon Jeffrey, dealing with injuries, will not be around for this matchup. And that literally leaves the Eagles receiving options outside of Scott with Greg Ward, Deshaun Jackson, and Zach Ertz. And that's in 11 personnel because you have Dallas Goddard who will come in at 12 personnel, yada, yada, yada. And like I said, Boston Scott's going to be utilized in this passing game with the injured Miles Sanders. But now look at Jackson, pure deep threat, missed most of last season with an injury. Carson Wentz has a cannon. The Washington secondary, very susceptible. It seems like it's a big play waiting to happen. And I think the opportunity and the targets will be increased for someone like Deshaun Jackson, a player you probably got in the double-digit rounds depending on your draft. So I like the call of Deshaun Jackson. I can see him going off in this matchup against one of his former teams because he's bounced around a little bit in the NFL. He used to be a on this Washington football team. <laughs> so I like the call of Deshaun Jackson as well, and I wouldn't hesitate to put him in as my third wide receiver or maybe a flex. And we also have Jameson Crowder, who is a PPR monster. And there aren't many pass catchers who are healthy right now for the New York Jets outside of Chris Herndon. And I know the Jets are going to attempt to run the football, play slow, slow the clock down, and keep Buffalo's offense off the field, keep their own defense off the field as well. But I don't really think they're going to be able to do that as well as they want to. I know their offensive line has significantly increased with Mackay Becton, Connor McGovern. They also signed George Font. That's a good thing for that offensive line, who was rather ineffective last year. But I look around at the wide receiver positions. you got to hurt Denzel Mims. Vincent Smith is out for a long time right now. You have injuries to Bashad Perriman. Robbie Anderson's gone. So... 
who's the only constant from last year that might have some continuity in this weird offseason with Sam Darnold, and that's Jamison Crowder, who operates out of the slot, should avoid Tredavious White. I like Crowder's upside to possibly get close to double-digit targets, at least eight targets. I think he should be started in three wide receiver PPR leagues. He's a, he a high floor. Not The ceiling isn't great because he's not a burner type of athlete. He might not be the first option in the red zone. But he's definitely somebody you got late in a draft that you should feel comfortable starting week one and then monitor it. If you want someone with a high floor, it's definitely Jamison Crowder, former Duke, Duke Blue Devil. Let's move on to the tight ends. Okay, first, I got Blake Jarwin at the Los Angeles Rams. It's Sunday night football, okay? This entire offseason, all we've heard is Jarwin hype. And when you look at the way the Dallas Cowboys have used the tight end position in the past, it does sort of make sense because Prescott has a proclivity to target the tight end position. Last year, Jarwin was their number two tight end. And he had an A dot, average depth of target, of over 10 yards, which is pretty impressive. And the implied total for the Cowboys in this game is 27 points the second highest over under on the slate as well behind Thursday night football's Chiefs and Texans and I would bet the over on a lot of these games because the defenses are not going to have the continuity that they need the defenses will not be as good as they typically are because their practice time has been significantly decreased because of COVID and everything going on so I would bet the over on a lot of these games but this implied total for Dallas it's it's good. This is what you got to look at. You got to look at these Vegas lines. See what Vegas thinks. Vegas doesn't want to lose money. They want to put very competitive lines out there. And this is the second highest over-under. There should be scoring in this game. The thing about the Cowboys is there's a lot of mouths to feed. There are. And Jalen Ramsey, who just got paid, Jalen Ramsey, who just got paid, is going to either guard Michael Gallup or Amari Cooper or maybe even CeeDee Lamb. And I think with the pass rush of Aaron Donald, that devastatingly amazing pass rusher coming from the center might lead to a lot of quick one-step checkdowns to someone like Blake Jarwin who's also capable of receiving the ball in the intermediate the deep parts of the field if they keep a five-man protection and run him out in a 12-man personnel package or something like that but I think Jarwin should be in for around six targets in this matchup maybe get some red zone work because let's be honest the Rams defense is not going to be focusing on Blake Jarwin they're going to be focusing on all these wide receiver rep weapons that they have and Ezekiel Elliott. So honestly, man, if you got a space to burn on your roster, burn it on J- Blake Darwin right now. Go to your league, check the waiver wire, find him, plug him now. Because after Sunday, he could be one of the more added pieces in fantasy football. You want to beat the waiver wire, it's the way to do it. Get ahead of it right now. And then we have Jack Doyle at Jacksonville. I, I liked a lot of late round tight ends this year. I was just talking about Blake Jarwin. I loved Hayden Hurst. I think Eric Ebron for week one is also a solid option to consider. It's a little bit more risky because we haven't seen it yet with this team and Ben Roethlisberger's coming back and how is he going to be. But I know the Giants really well. They struggle with tight ends. But I want to talk about Jack Doyle for a second in PPR leagues. Now, it's simple. Philip Rivers targets this position a ton. And yes, it was with a different team. But he still has an affinity for targeting the tight end position. And I think that really works out well for the fact that he has a declining arm strength going on with his throwing arm. It's almost the level of Eli Manning. He was drafted in the same year as Eli. 
and he's kind of become a check down machine. I don't have a lot of faith in the fact that Phillip Rivers can push the ball vertically. So I think someone like Doyle, whose A dot is very, very small, operates in the short to intermediate game, but is a sure-handed tight end who can move the chains, should be seeing a lot of targets. Now, I saw this stat on PFF. Since 2007, Phillip Rivers targets the tight end position on average 114 times for 82 catches, 986 yards, and 9 touchdowns. And like I said, Rivers' arm strength is definitely in decline, which should work out for somebody who is reliable in the short to intermediate game. That's Jack Doyle. So my one concern with him in this specific matchup would be the Colts taking a huge lead, leading to a lot more running attempts for Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, and guys like that. But I still think rolling the dice on someone like Jack Doyle is wise, and he's somebody who's going undrafted in the majority of leagues. I think Rivers loves that position. I think he's a good player, and I think it should mean a lot of PPR points for your team. And then we have the Jets tight end, Chris Herndon at the Buffalo Bills. He missed a little time in camp, but he returned to actually catch passes from Sam Darnold, something that a lot of Jets players have not been able to do. And I think he's going to have a role here against a good defense, which gives me a little bit of pause, but I think there's going to be a lot of garbage time where Sam Darnold's going to be throwing the football. And Herndon was supposed to have his breakout year last year, but he was just injured the majority of the season and it never materialized. But I expect him to have a mini breakout season this season. It seems like a lot of people overlooking him. He could be a hot waiver wire addition. He's one of those other late round tight ends that I kind of like. I think he's going to be the number two target in this offense behind Jamison Crowder. You could say number three if you throw Le'Veon Bell in there because I do think Le'Veon Bell is going to be used quite a bit in space, something that Adam Gase has admitted that he hasn't done all that well in the past. So I think that's going to happen as well. But I think Herndon is going to be in for a lot of targets from Sam Darnold, somebody a lot of people expect to kind of take a jump. And if he's going to take that jump, he's going to need Herndon. He's going to need Jamison Crowder. He's going to need these playmakers to step up because everybody else seems to be hurt on this roster right now. And it sucks for the New York Jets, but that's the reality. So Herndon, somebody that I feel like could also be in, he's a cheap target on DFS platforms, could also be in for a much bigger season. And nobody's really talking about him right now. And those are some sleepers that not a lot of people are going over at the moment that you may be able to find on your free agent wire. But like I alluded to, in this podcast, what I do often when I have two players that I feel like are in equal matchups is I look at Vegas's over-under. Okay, I look at what Vegas is saying about a specific game, and it may target that because Vegas, who sets all of these lines for millions and millions of people to bet on, want to set competitive lines. So you either bet the over or the under, and they don't want to make it obvious and have a poor line out there that you can just take advantage of and then they lose a crap load of money so i look at high over-unders like for instance the texans and the chiefs thursday night football their over-under is 54 and a half according to my bookie right so the miami dolphins and the patriots are 43 and a half so which game should theoretically be more high scoring it's probably going to be the texans and the chiefs so if you have players in these games say if you have a player in the Jets-Bills game where the over-under is 39 and a half and then you have a player that is in the Raiders-Panthers game which is 47 and a half if you view both of these players in the same like so obviously I'm not referring to somebody you drafted in the first round but say they're both late round picks and you're not 100% sure which one to go to depending on the opportunity you must weigh the context of the situation you can use Vegas as a tiebreaker 
because there's going to be more opportunities, going to be more scoring theoretically in those matchups. It's just a way to kind of break ties if you have two different players that you don't know which direction to necessarily go in. So going through some of these, some of the higher over-unders, you have the Chiefs and the Texans, you have the Cowboys and the Rams who are on Sunday Night Football. That over-under is 51 and a half. So that's the only other ones that are in the 50s. Every other one is in the 40s, but you have a couple that are at 48 and a half, which is the Buccaneers and the Saints. You have a 49 over-under, which is the Seahawks at the Falcons. You have a 48 and a half over-under, which is the Browns at the Ravens. And then you have some gross ones, like the Jets at the Bills, 39 and a half. And like I said before, I would bet the over on a lot of these. I think defense is going to be a little bit more sloppy than the offense. And these over-unders aren't ridiculously high. There's only two in the 50s right now. If you go to Monday Night Football, which is the Giants and the Steelers and the Titans at the Broncos, so I should say Steelers at the Giants. Steelers at the Giants is 47 and a half, and then the Titans at Broncos is a 41 over-under. So which one of these, if you're playing that slate in DFS, you may want to target a little bit more guys from that Steelers and Giants. So... I don't know if you guys bet DFS, but you have FanDuel, you have DraftKings, and a lot of them have where you can just play the slate, a specific slate. And this specific slate, if you want to do Monday Night Football, you can bet, well, you can play DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports, for both of these matchups. You take players from all four of those teams, you sum them together, and you hopefully win some money off that. You could play 50-50 games, you could play GPPs. 50-50 is 50% of the people who enter the contest double their money. So it's like a double up. And then a GPP is a guaranteed prize pool, which means a small percentage, maybe 10% of the people that enter the contest will win money, but the people at the top, person who comes in first, might win like 50 grand, might win 100 grand, might win a million, depending on what kind of contest you enter, how much money you enter into the contest. But on these short slates, and I always preach this, I love playing the short slates because if you go somewhat contrarian, you can realistically get a significant an edge over a lot of people who who play this casually and didn't have the same thought process as you. I don't think as many people pay as close attention to grinding for these smaller slates because there are a lot of sharks when it comes to daily fantasy sports and I feel like those smaller slates are more casual fans and you can get an edge on them if you go somewhat contrarian yet realistic and then that person that is contrarian in your lineup is owned at sub 10% and they end up going off and you have a significant edge and you could have went chalk with the rest of that lineup. But if you have that 10% difference with that one specific player, then you can realistically be in to win huge money. I mean, there were times where I just missed winning 50 grand in these specific slates because I would put in 10 lineups, 12 lineups and diversify all the people that I felt like had a realistic opportunity to go off. And some of those players were the third, the fourth receiver, the backup running back, the backup tight end. It just depends. And you, and I've won a lot of money doing this. I didn't win that 50 grand. It was really close. I didn't win. But if I, I had those, I was on all the same players that were in the winning lineup. I just had to flip one thing and I would have beat the person who ended up winning. And it's hard to have a different lineup than some people because a lot of people tend to mass submit lineups. But if you can differentiate yourself just a little bit and even go with some negative correlation, some things that tend to have negative correlation, but you 
can see how they can realistically how it can realistically work out say if you go with a quarterback that's going up against the defense and you start the defense and the quarterback and then that defense has a special teams touchdown and maybe even a bunch of sacks on the quarterback but then that quarterback has a great game as well not a lot of people are going to have that because those two things tend to be negatively correlated so there are just little strategies to dfs that can give you an edge and i'm going to talk a little bit on here about dfs throughout the next coming episodes and things like that because i do am a big believer in dfs daily fantasy sports i have a lot of fun doing it but i do feel like those small slates the monday night football slates the sunday night into monday night on non-week one i think they are fun to play and i also think on DraftKings, at least with the crown mode you can play the one game and you have a crowned player if you select a crown player who happens to be a third wide receiver on a team that doesn't usually throw the third wide receiver but you feel like in that specific matchup they may you can plug that player into your crown and then they get 1.5 fantasy points for every fantasy point they score and say if you get that guy at a good ownership and you nail all those other picks again another edge you can get so just a little bit of daily fantasy advice right there so we're diving into week one i know you guys are going to hear this on friday please tell me you did not start anybody in your flex from thursday night football it's a means to just not allow you to be as flexible as you should be always make sure that any player you start in thursday night football is not in your flex put them in your wide receiver or your running back slot so if something happens to your other running backs or wide receivers you have the opportunity to pivot to say if you have a wide receiver in your flex on thursday night and you have a good backup running back you want to use and something happens to one of your wide receivers you can't shift that out at all it just prevents you from being flexible so always start wide receivers and running backs on Thursday Night Football in a running back or wide receiver. I know it's not going to help you this week, but hopefully you heard me say that in previous podcasts. And I know I've mentioned it. Please rate, subscribe, review this podcast. Let me know what you guys would like. Ask questions. You can send me, send them to me on Twitter. DM me. Do whatever you really need, okay? It's all good. Hopefully these sleepers will help you guys out. If you're in a bind, I would love to give you guys some start-sit advice. That would be excellent as well. Please have a lovely day and take care of yourselves.